investing myths that you don't want to miss coming up. Welcome back to another episode of Young Wealth. Today, I'm going to be sharing the many mistakes and, and the invaluable lessons that I've learned throughout my journey from a young and new investor to now a financial planner. We're going to talk through the common myths and misconceptions about investing and why they will massively hold you back over the long run if you continue to believe them. I'll share four pivotal lessons that not only shaped my personal success, but also empower you on your own financial journey. So whether you consider yourself a seasoned investor or you're just getting started, join me as we unravel these myths, debunk misconceptions, and, and uncover the truths that, that really every investor should know. So let's get into it. The first lesson might have been the hardest one for me to learn, at least at the beginning. And this lesson was don't chase returns. Now, many of you might be thinking, now, hold up. Isn't this just like the whole point of investing? Yes, we are in investing to make money, but there's a huge difference between earning returns and chasing them. Let me explain with a little story here. So it was the summer between my sophomore and junior years of high school. I was with my dad. I was eating lunch um, and he actually started to talk about some stocks it piqued my interest, so I started asking him some questions. I knew very little about investing, but I was actually pretty interested to learn more. After countless questions, I finally asked my dad, hey, would you be open to maybe opening an investment account for me? And he thought it'd be a great idea, right? So I didn't start with much, maybe $100 at the time, right? Not a lot of money. At first, I picked a few companies that I knew. I knew Apple, Facebook, a few others. However, once I'd invested all that money, it got boring. After weeks and weeks of looking at my account multiple times a day, it would just sway between 98 and $102. So I thought to myself, you know, there's no way I'm going to get rich doing this. So what did I do, right? You probably got it. I started chasing returns. You know, I started looking for how I can make more money investing into stocks. And that's where I learned about day trading, options trading, and more. Not the right place to be for sure. I was watching YouTube videos, reading articles. Heck, I even hate to admit it. I spent $200 on a course um, from money that I earned, you know, working for my dad that summer. I thought I was going to make it. And you know what? The first few weeks, it works. By that, I meant I was lucky. But you get the point. I was trading stocks every day. My account was actually up 20%, right? Of course, I had $100 at the time, which... $100 up by 20% really was only 20 bucks. But I thought to myself, I mean, if I'd have $100,000 in this account, I would be up 20K. I was sure that this was my ticket to financial freedom. Little did I know that couldn't have been further from the truth. I kept chasing returns, but after a while, I couldn't keep up. Loss after loss, my account was now down to $80, right? And $20 doesn't seem like much, but to me, it was a decent amount of money at the time. I was devastated. I had no clue to where to go from there. I thought there was no way that I was going to be able to make money through investing. However, that whole experience of learning not to chase returns ultimately helped me learn these other three lessons. So lesson number one, as we took it, don't chase returns. And that lesson really flows into these next three lessons. So lesson number two 
I realized that when I was starting to chase returns, I was taking way too much risk. And that's, of course, where I learned about this next lesson, the importance of diversification. Now, you might be thinking, wow, diversification, that's a big word. You know, what does that even mean? A great saying that probably everybody has heard is don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Basically, don't put everything into one thing because it's more likely that you could lose everything from putting money into that one thing. I have a a decent example that I always love to show my clients to explain this. So, you know, I know this is just audio, but I'm going to paint a picture for you. Imagine it in your mind and we're going to go from there. Imagine you have your childhood home. This home has two massive windows on the front, but these windows are different. One window is just one big piece of glass. The entire window is just one piece of glass. The other window is many individual panes, right? And for for those who don't know what that means is it's those windows with all those wooden slits in between, and there's just smaller pieces of glass connected by those slits. Now, you're out front, you know, you're playing catch with your brother or sister or a neighborhood friend, right? You're out, you're out in the front yard. You got a baseball in hand. Take a step back real quick. Non-diversification, putting all of your eggs in one basket, right? That is like the big window. Let's say that's Apple. Is Apple a good company? Yeah, Apple's a great company. You know, I'm I'm recording this. I've got an iPhone in my hand and I'm looking at my my MacBook right now. So I'm a huge fan of Apple, but do you want to stake your entire retirement on Apple? No, that's probably not the best idea. This would theoretically be like if you threw that baseball and hit this big window, the the window with the huge piece of glass, the entire window would shatter. Now let's take the other example. We have the, the window with tons of little panes of glass. One of those panes might be Apple, but you also own Tesla, you own Microsoft, you own McDonald's, and the list goes on and on. You own thousands of companies in the U.S. as well as hundreds of companies internationally, right? So there's tons of little tiny panes on this window. Let's say, you know, Apple breaks, right? The new iPhone 16 comes out and they have a faulty chip. In the example where you're not diversified, what happens? The entire window breaks. But what happens when you are diversified and something happens to Apple? Just that little pain breaks. You aren't putting all of your resources into one place. So what that means for you is that your risk isn't as big. You're not taking these insane amounts of risk. Another example I always like to give is if you were to ask your parents what the biggest tech company in the world was when they were a kid, you know, depending on your age, they might tell you it was IBM or they might tell you something else. IBM is not the biggest tech company in the world right now. But if you were to ask your parents 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that's what they would have said. So bringing that into today, that doesn't mean that just because Apple is the biggest tech company right now doesn't mean that they will continue to be in the future. Now, this brings up a good point. Is Apple likely to go bankrupt? Not likely. It probably will never happen, but it's possible. 
So when you only invest in one company, there is a possibility that you lose everything. However, if I were to ask you, okay, let's say you have, in the example before, you have thousands of companies across the U.S., as well as hundreds of different companies internationally. What's the possibility that every single one of those companies go bankrupt? It's still possible, right? I couldn't tell you that it's not possible. However, if every single one of those companies went bankrupt, the world would be complete anarchy at that point. And, and the reason I bring that up is when you're diversified, you get to the point where you're not so nervous about losing all of your money. You're just more nervous about the sways of the market over the long run. You know, your money going up and down over time. Which brings us into lesson three. Once you begin to realize, right, we know now that we're diversified, your biggest fear isn't losing all of your money. It's just the sways of the market over the short term. That's when we learn the third lesson, which is that time is on your side. This is Young Wealth, a podcast about building wealth at a young age. So if you're lucky enough to be listening to this and you're 20 or 25, know that time is on your side. If you have a long time period to invest, you might be willing to take some of that short-term risk, which brings me to that next lesson. Again, I'm going to repeat it again. I know I've been saying it a lot, but time is on your side. Let's go back to the personal story I told you in the beginning. I wasn't patient. I didn't realize the massive advantage I had starting so young. I was so focused on getting rich quick that I didn't even realize the most important piece to building wealth is how long you have to build it. If you've never heard about compound interest before, you're in luck for today's episode. If you have, well, it's a good reminder of just how important it is. I'm going to give an example here. Let's say you put away $500 a month for the next 40 years from age 25 to 65. Over those next 40 years, you would have saved $240,000. That's $500 a month. You know, there's 12 months in a year. That's $6,000 a year. 6,000 times 40 years is 240,000. That's a decent amount of money, but probably not enough money to retire someday. Now, that is where the importance of investing comes in. On average, we've seen market returns of about 10% per year. However, inflation's gonna be eating away at what that money's worth. So we're gonna assume a return of 7%. What do I mean by that when it comes to inflation? You know, we're paying three, four dollars a gallon for gas right now. In the future, we're going to be paying seventeen dollars a gallon for gas. Things become more expensive. So even if you had five million dollars when you retired at sixty-five in forty years, it, it really isn't worth that. So that's why I'm going to assume a return of seven percent. With that being said, how much money? The money that you think about in today's dollars, how much do you think you'd have when you'd retire? Remember, you've only put $240,000 into the portfolio, but assuming those returns from before, it would be worth the equivalent to $1.3 million in today's dollars. Think about that. Most of the money when you retire is from growth, not the money you saved each month. You save $240,000 but you have $1.3 million. However, 
here's probably the most important part. So really listen in here. Let's say you waited 10 years. Instead of putting money away from 25 to 65, you start at 35. You're still young. 35 isn't by any means old. But even then, you would only have $600,000 at age 65 as opposed to $1.3 million. That's less than half. And you only waited 10 years. If you wanted to retire with that same $1.3 million in the example above, you'd have to invest about $1,100 a month to reach that same point of $1.3 million by age 65. So you have to invest over double just to get to the exact same spot by waiting 10 years. Why is that? Well, compound interest grows exponentially. A great example of this is when you roll a snowball down a hill. At first, it doesn't grow as much as it's rolling down that hill. However, towards the end, it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger really quickly, right? Keep this example in your mind. The longer that snowball has to roll, the larger it gets. The same is true with compound interest. The longer you have and let your money grow, the exponentially bigger it will be, right? So what can we take from all this? If you're young, time's on your side, right? Remember the lesson, time is on your side. You need to be patient because investing is a marathon and not a sprint. If you're investing to reach financial freedom or retirement in the future, it's a long game. The longer you play, the more likely you are to win if you're doing it right. Now, brings us into our last lesson because not all investments are towards financial freedom or towards retirement, which is investing is not a one-size-fits-all strategy. What do I mean by this? If you're wanting to invest for retirement and it's 40 years away, of course, you're okay with taking some calculated risks to have your money grow over the long run, you know, if you're still diversified. However, retirement isn't the only thing that you'll probably invest for in your life. People save and invest for many things, vacations, cars, houses, babies, a child's education, and the list goes on and on and on. Do you think that you would use the same strategy to save for a baby that you're expecting to have in seven months as opposed to retirement in 40 years? Of course not. This is why investing isn't a one-size-fits-all strategy. Each goal you have should be invested according to that goal. For short-term goals, that might mean, you know, your money's just in something like a high-yield savings account or a CD. For medium-term goals, you know, you might have a mix between stocks and bonds depending on various factors. For super long-term goals, i.e. retirement or financial freedom, you might be 100% in stocks depending on you know, what your appetite for risk would be. Again, your investments are going to solely depend on what you're trying to achieve. I've always called this goals-based investing. Each goal has a strategy that's dependent upon how long until you're wanting to achieve that goal. Again, typically goals with a longer time horizon, more time for that money to grow, you're typically comfortable with taking a little bit more risk. Of course, that's totally dependent on the individual, but as a generic assumption, the longer you have, the more risk you're typically willing to take because if you're investing for 40 years away, you really don't care where your money is in five years. 
you just care about where your money is in 40 years. Let's take the opposite. If you're saving for a house down payment that you're planning on purchasing this this home in one year, you really care about where your money is in the next year. So you're less concerned about growth and more concerned about the stability of your money in the short term. So together, I hope all these lessons have really kind of provided you with insights to start to navigate you know, the world of investing. Let's kind of recap. First, we learned not chasing returns impulsively is so, so important to your success over the long run. We need to focus on making good investments over the long run, as opposed to always chasing that perfect investment and being left disappointed. These next three lessons all stem from that first. The second lesson, of course, we learned about the significance of diversification using that window pane analogy. Understanding the principle is so important for being able to manage your risk and get good returns over the long run. Lesson three highlighted the importance of time and wealth building. Time is on your side and do not down the power of compound interest. It is so powerful. And if you are young and listening to this, even if you don't have a lot of money, being able to start investing just a little and being patient is so, so impactful. Lastly, lesson four, investing isn't a one-size-fits-all strategy. Depending on your goals, depending on your financial objectives, your strategy should change. These lessons have made me the investor and the financial planner that I am today. Because of these lessons, I'm confident that I'm on my path to building wealth at a young age. And, and I hope that these lessons can guide you to start playing the long game to building wealth. Now, before you go, I have a huge announcement to make. I talked in the previous episode that we're going to start creating some amazing content and free resources for this podcast. Well, I'm happy to announce that we just released our first and probably the most impactful resource so far. It's called the Young Wealth Roadmap, and it's an ordered list of the exact financial steps you should be taking right now. It's about what things you should focus on as you move forward in your financial life and helping you know what you should do first and what should take priority. If you'd like to download this resource, it's free. You can just click the link down in the show notes below um, and you can have access to it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, I will see you next week and I hope you have a good one. Wow, you're still here? Good. This is the best part. Young Wealth is hosted by Ethan Lang, a principal with Launch Wealth. Launch Wealth, at the time of recording, is a registered investment advisor offering advisory services in the state of Kansas, Texas, and in other jurisdictions where exempt. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be intended as tax, accounting, or legal advice as an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell or as an endorsement of any company, security, fund, or other securities or non-securities offering. This information should not be relied upon as a sole factor in an investment-making decision. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investment in securities involves significant risk and has the potential for partial or complete loss of funds invested. 
It should not be assumed that any recommendations made will be profitable or equal any performance noted on this podcast. Launch Wealth does not warrant that the information on this podcast will be free from error. Your use of the information is at your sole risk. For more information on our disclosures, visit www.investwithlaunch.com forward slash legal.